0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Control Yourself podcast. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Uh, FunctionalAnatomySeminars.com. FunctionalAnatomySeminars.com is where you can uh, register or learn more about the functional range systems, including functional range release, functional range conditioning, functional range assessment, and kin stretch. We now have all of our seminars um, virtual, so if you're a manual therapist and you're looking to get your functional range release certification, we now offer virtual certifications uh, worldwide as well as in functional range conditioning and uh, assessment and as well as kin stretch and kin stretch instructor certifications. Uh, You can visit functionalanatomyseminars.com to learn more about the systems or learn more about the certification process. Uh, We're also brought to you by westside-barbell.com. Visit westside-barbell.com. Um, for information, for education on, on strength and conditioning. Westside has been an authority on strength and conditioning for many, many years. Um, if you've listened to or have heard of Louis Simmons, you know uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's well-known in the community and, and his work is respected. Uh, there's a lot of good educational material out there uh, at westside as well as um, equipment and nutritional stuff. Go ahead and visit westside-barbell.com and when you're there use the promo code DRE10, D-R-E and then the number 10 at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase of educational material and Westside gear. Uh, This episode of the podcast is actually, this is a, I was on someone else's podcast, Uh, a good friend of mine by the name of Don Saladino, I'm sure a lot of you guys know him, he's a, a trainer to the stars if you're a fan of the Marvel movies, for example, um, you know all of their physiques uh, can be in, in large part credited to Don. Uh, he's worked with um, many actors and prepping them for, for, for their roles um, in movies, etc. And he has a podcast along with uh, Derek Hansen, who I'm just meeting for the first time actually on this podcast. But they have what's called the D&D Fitness Radio Podcast. Uh, and I was uh, lucky enough to be a guest on their podcast, and they were nice enough to allow me to share um, the episode with you. Um, in the episode, uh, they asked me quite a bit of things. We, we, we talk uh, at length about the, the concept of mobility and, and the, the problems with, with how people view mobility. We, we then actually get into a discussion, a little bit of a discussion, on my training um, and how I go about my day-to-day um, training routine, so to speak. Uh, we talk, uh, a quite a bit of length at, at spy about the spine and spinal health and the maintenance of, of individual spinal motion and segmentation and why it's important. Uh, we talk about pain and, and it, it as an inhibitor to movement and how to deal with chronic pain. We go over a lot of things. So again, it's not like one of our regular podcasts in that I'm the one being interviewed. Um, but we did think that there was um, some good content that came out of it. Uh, so thank you to D&D Fitness Radio Podcast for allowing us uh, to share it um, on our platform. And without further delay, I bring you um, the episode of the d Fitness Radio Podcast, uh, which is featuring me. Uh, I hope you enjoy it and we'll uh, get you another podcast soon. Welcome to the D&D Fitness
1: Radio Podcast, brought to you by your hosts, Don Saladino from New York City and Derek Hansen from Vancouver, Canada.
0: There you are. You read a lot of books there, Derek. No.
1: <laughs> We're just talking about that. What?
0: That's well, you a- know how all these smart guys
1: are like, I read 10 <laughs> books a month, a week. I read ten books a week. That's why I'm so
0: smart. That's way overboard, dude. It's, it's just. You look good, good man. I look good. You're the yeah. most handsome man in fitness, and I look. Right good. now, I've, 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 I've no
2: pants on right now. In case you're curious, I'm dead serious. I don't serious, even wear
0: pants when I'm on my property. Let no, I'm serious. Look,
1: I mean, I legitimately have no pants
0: on. I mean, I'm, I'm literally like. Oh wow.
1: <laughs> uh, am I showing that? Am I
0: showing that when we had the? Go ahead, I don't care. Okay. I have no I pants think, on. I, I literally just I, got off the water. If I looked like you, I wouldn't wear pants in life. Right? I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would be it. We're gonna start. I wear, a fuck, I wear a fucking mask, but no pants. I right? I wonder what they would say. Uh, would you? The
2: harassment suits would start. Do you right need to away? get into more trouble <laughs> for for not wearing a mask or not wearing pants?
0: Isn't it so Isn't it strange that masks are a very difficult thing to fucking understand, but nobody hates pants, right?
2: What's your opinion on the whole mask thing? Do, you, do Are you pro or are you uh, are are you for or against it?
0: I'm for the belief of fucking specialization in. Your <laughs> That's what I I'm love for. You. God, I love if you're, and, and if we don't believe in specialists, there's no point to fucking do playing this game altogether. Does that make mm. sense? Like what mm. the fuck are we here for? Yeah. Mm. Like, if I can't believe that you're an expert at making people look sexy, then 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 what are we doing? Thank you. You know what I'm saying?
2: I, I mean I, I'm feeling sexy right now. I'm riding here. I'm sitting here right now with salt water all over me, and I'm in uh you know I'm, I'm in my banana hammocks.
0: Is this how is this live? Because
2: this is how my podcast goes. That's no, weird. no, no, it's, it's it's not live. I mean, we're we're recording. We're going to use all of it. We don't we don't Absolutely. really. This is real. <laughs>
1: There's no segues. It's all just.
2: Yeah, but we don't we don't like going to bullshit. Like we don't sit there yeah. and went out like oh that was like no like we we just talk like theory, truth, whatever you want to say. Like what you that's why I wanted to bring you on so much because you know, Dr. Andrea Spina, who I consider a good friend, even though I don't see you much, but oh. every time we get together, I have this like man crush on you. I love it. And we oh, just yeah. always have a good time and that's um, the underwear. Hence the other that's, that's <laughs> the that's the real reason.
0: Before, before he wore his black <laughs> <laughs> But
2: you know, I have I've taken your I mean in in all in all honesty, I've taken probably five or six of your courses. I mean, I I, t- I think I took FRC five times. I mean, we hosted a drive like four times, yeah, or three times. It, I took it at Did you keep phones. failing
1: it? Is that why? Is there like no, an exam at the end and It was I'm that it was, it was a problem. <laughs>
0: It's an open I was open the
2: guy back. who was going like this, not asking questions, but just kind of like, like repeating what everyone knows already, just yeah. to have conversation with you. <laughs> I wasn't that guy. Don't worry.
0: And and why is your microphone so abnormally large? Like, what do you, what are you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just love how it's like, it's right in front of my face. I, I didn't say that. You, you, you said that I can move it Wait, Hold on. I'll move it aside.
1: What's okay. the brand on there? Circum, <laughs> cir- circum, okay. It's, yeah, it's. <laughs>
2: Yeah, circum-something. I, I can't read You live
0: in, in, in fucking uh, 1600s England, it looks
2: like. Oh. Huh. Yeah, Tarek. <laughs> I mean, I actually. Well, I can I change that.
0: Oh, with lights. Never mind. You have electricity back there.
2: <laughs> what else can you change, by the way? Because we're, 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 we're talking about real serious yeah. stuff right, right
1: now.
0: Oh, that's that's nice. a, oh, there you go. A, a little softer. Yeah.
1: And then that's, that's my uh, kind of mid-century look there. What about I would, Starbucks? I
0: would, I would believe that one.
1: Yeah, no, I know. My wife says, "Well, that's what our room should look like."
0: Yeah, <laughs> that makes the most sense. Yeah. So, yeah. so Trey, are you still in Toronto? I'm in Toronto. Yeah, man.
1: You know, this outside, guy's in Vancouver.
0: Outside? Yes, I, I heard. I knew yeah. I left for some reason. It's
1: smoky here. It is so smoky here.
0: How oh, it's crazy out there. You know, oh, Dewey, Dewey Nielsen. You guys both know Dewey, right? I love Dewey. We got started, right? This is the podcast. Yeah, this is the oh, podcast.
2: <laughs> it's unbelievable, right? It's disappointing. <laughs>
0: Thank God you didn't ask me like wh- where I'm from and what I've done and like all that. No, thing.
2: no, everyone knows who you are. I mean, you're wearing a wife beater right now with yellow stains on it. I love it; it's perfect. I mean, I know you're prepared.
0: <laughs> I only buy it if there's stains.
1: I'm
2: it. not wearing pants. Don't worry about it. It's all good.
0: We over there? Oh. there, have we met in person?
1: It's very possible. I, I have a really bad memory now that I'm over fifty. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm when I rounded right. seventy-five, started things started just fucking. <laughs> This just popping out of my head.
2: Yeah. It is. Um, I'm very happy for you two to meet. And I'm very, Dre, I'm very happy to have you on right now because we were, we've were we been bringing on specialists in different categories to kind of discuss stuff. And when I, when I think of mobility, I think of you. I don't know if that's kinky. I don't know if that's something you're going to appreciate. I, I, I think of mobility. I think of you.
0: Absolutely. When you think I need someone to put their hands behind their legs, on their head,
2: <laughs> feet behind I call, their ears,
0: I call, I call, I call Dre. He i would raise so
2: yeah so i I took dre's frc four or five times and then i took your kin stretch once and you were kind of like to me you're the guy who like what's what's the word i'm looking for here you like systematized i mean i know you're going to crucify me for saying but like mobility work i mean you you get people to move better basically basically, correct I,
0: i do and it's funny that you say that because i've been i've had the the unfortunate problem of having to reverse engineer that concept of mobility because if you remember when I first started talking about this a long time ago, when I started, you know, you used I used the word mobility almost to just to get people like interested in what I was doing, because that seemed to be something that people were focusing on. And then as you know, you come in and what you realize quickly is that I'm not really teaching mobility in the, in the common sense of the word. Um, We're really teaching people how to, improve the quality and function of their articulations, like mm. in general, right? And then it comes off, I mean, mobility is that word that we use, but the idea that I'm just making people bendable is a, is a crazy thing that I've had to, I've had to deal with, right? Because as soon as you're a mobility guy, people assume that you're automatically looking to increase ranges of motion to, to the extent that you'll get Instagram likes, if that makes sense, which, yeah. which, which couldn't be further from the truth, you know what I mean? It right. depends no. on, on how, and how you look at it. But having said that, I'll take the word mobility guy, I suppose.
2: Well, I mean, I, I think sometimes people get, you know, uh, ca- cast into a specific category. Like, I don't necessarily like being called a celebrity trainer. I mean, people call me. That. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> you
0: don't like being called a celebrity trainer? No, it's ridiculous. I Come that on. Shit off mobility guy. No, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no,
2: but seriously, I mean, I, I got to the point where I just gave up. I'm like, I, I, I can't fight this anymore. Like, it is what it is. People see me with celebs, and they're like, "You're a celebrity trainer." I'm like, "Sure." Like whatever, like, you you know, it is what it is. You just got to sometimes play into it. I mean, I don't know. Are you ever going to break out of that? Or is it, is it, is it something where people, I mean, general pop, or they're going to look at you and they're going to refer to you as the mobility guy, you know, not necessarily there.
0: Yeah. General pop. I mean, there's one thing, general pop, what they think. And then there's the, the truth. That's the coaches, which is really who I'm, who I'm, I'm, I usually teach coaches to teach others. Right. Right. Um, So to those people, I find it, uh, it's almost detrimental when they come into a seminar because they think that automatically i'm going to get up and start doing some fucking creepy backwards bending shit all of a sudden mm. you know what i mean like you leave that to dewey i leave that to dewey as i bring guys i bring circus freaks with me but is it <laughs> yeah but uh, that's the assumption but i mean i i i almost enjoy it as well because five minutes in when they realize that there's a, a crazy person in front of them that's just rattling off a bunch of shit about everything having to do with the human body and then they start to realize very quickly that we're you know, systematically trying to find problems with the internal environment of our clients. And then we're trying to correct those problems. And the problem with mobility is, is that people always assume that it's mobility is like uh wonky or loosey goosey. That's kind of like the, the link term. So as soon as you, you tell someone, I want to make them mobile, all of a sudden you want to make them loose and sloppy and shitty. And that just happened recently, actually with, um, Somebody online was talking about some spine stuff, and this is where it gets really, really weird, right? And I'm not going to mention names, but you know when you're getting jabbed, and someone was was, was pretty much saying, I don't know why you would ever want to increase the mobility of a spine. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's just slow down. Because when you're talking about a spine, right, you're talking about segments that have millimeters of motion at best. So the cumulative effect of millimeters here and millimeters here and millimeters here is the external movable spine that we all see right but the idea that you're increasing mobility in the spine like you're you're taking one segment and you're making it wonky is crazy right the spine mm-hmm. only moves in millimeters so the idea that someone would say that trying to maintain those millimeters is somehow a bad idea is is the opposite kind of thinking right it's like when people get into this idea where some joints should be mobile and some joints should be stable which really makes no sense from an evolutionary standpoint, right? The human body, the the, the nervous system itself only exists for the purpose of creating complex, adaptable movements so that someone can use their internal environment to, you know, execute tasks in their external environment. That's the point of it. So the idea of being able to move is the point. Does that make sense? Yeah. But if if something has to be mobile, it, it has to be, it has to be both, right? It has to be, you need the ability to move or you can't do any work. And then you have to control that movement at the same time. So it's, it's one and the same. When I say increased mobility, I also mean increased stability. It's mm. not like it's one thing's different than the other. It's just, does the joint work or not? Well, I think,
2: I think you were the one who taught me that. I, I mean, or maybe you, you taught me how to verbalize it that way, because I think you spoke about someone who was incredibly flexible mm. and then you know, just not having the control. So I mean, I remember when I was younger, a young coach, it was always like, oh, we have to improve flexibility. We have to improve flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think you really yeah. want to use the dancer analogy of someone who's able to just kind of hold their leg straight up behind mm-hmm. their ear. Yeah. And, um, you know, is that is that good enough? And why are these people always trying to stretch? Why are they always feeling uncomfortable? Why is someone who can just drop into a full split or, or put their leg behind their head, just feel mm-hmm. like that they always have this need to stretch? Isn't that strange? So, it- the most actually, some of the most flexible
0: people I notice at seminars they usually sit at the front, and they'll often sit there in a full split while I'm trying to teach.
1: Yeah, just showing off. No, <laughs> I
0: don't know. I don't know
1: seriously, they're. seriously, they do that?
0: Yeah, okay, pretty crazy. Or That's they just crazy. feel, or they feel tight. I mean, I find that a lot of people who are generally bendable often feel tight because the, the the question of tight is really a decision by your nervous system, right? And the idea of tight versus non-tight doesn't have to do with external global ranges of motion. As, as much as it has to feel do with how easily those ranges of motion are achieved. Right. So you can have people who are incredibly bendable. I have circus du Soleil performers who always feel tight, but right. the feeling of tight is not you're using the wrong outcome measure. If you're taking a ruler and saying, how much can you stretch? And then associating, well, now I know your feeling of tightness, which is, which is, which is not the same thing.
2: But you, but you spend a lot of time on your, all what you want, your flexibility,
0: your mobility, correct. your, your movement, correct. How much time do you personally spend a day? Do I personally spend a day? I, I tend to, it's funny because not a lot of people, not a lot of people ask me for specifically what I do, but, um, I spend the whole day working out. If that makes sense. I, I go by a 24 hour rule, um, where I choose things that need to be worked on. And then I, I kind of take the, the full 24 hour day as a, as a working, as my workout. And then I just bleed it in accordingly. Now, when you ask me how much of it I do, that's, I, I the question's actually good. It opens up can of word because a lot of people, for some reason, like you said, they, they put you into a they pigeonhole you and they would think, for example, that I don't lift weights or that I don't do any resistance training. And that I'm just, you know, trying my best to get as bendable and as flexible as I can. Mm-hmm. That's not true. What I will say is though, for my particular, the way that I use my meat wagon, um, which is to, you know. I want to always feel comfortable playing with my kids. I want to be able to do athletic things, but I focus on martial arts. That's what I focus on. So using my meat wagon to subdue someone else's, right? So if you give me a person who does that, I'm going to tell you that internal training, let's call it internal training now, because I prefer to call it internal training versus mobility training. So if we separate external training, like patterned exercises, the deadlift, the bench press, the box squat, and then we go internal training, which is the purposeful attempt to increase the determinants of strengths internally before moving it to external demands. Um, I do the majority of my training is that, right? Because as a martial artist, my job is to control myself and to control other human beings. Now, assuming you're a competitive martial artist, I'm not going to have to control someone who weighs 700 pounds, right? Yeah. I'm not going to fight a super heavyweight. So I'm going to have to be able to control people in and around my size, but with a a, a sport where you don't have patterned um, demands like martial arts, the, the amount of internal training to external training gets skewed heavily. So if you ask me, what do I do a lot of? I do a lot of internal training, but I also do my share of external training. If there was a particular thing that I wanted to get better at, if I wanted a, a harder teeth kick or if I wanted to, to act do something specifically then I would put external training to supplement the internal training to get me the exact speed requirement out of my strength if that makes sense that's for me though having said that I do not and you know this I don't teach people to do what I do right. I teach people to try to find out what their client needs and then I go from there and if if that's the, the standpoint then, people do as much internal mobility training as they need to, to prepare their internal environment for their external demands. So it depends on the athlete I'm given or the person. You know, I want to
2: get Derek's opinion on it in a second, but I actually find it pretty refreshing because I think, you know, especially a lot of the people I've been working with recently, they, they're wanting to split things up throughout the day, which I honestly prefer. Like I would rather take someone out of an office And they're like, I'm gonna go work out for one hour in the morning, and I'm gonna spend, you know, X amount of time or an hour and a half in the morning, and I'm gonna spend know 20 minutes stretching and then 40 minutes weight training and then another 20 minutes doing cardio and then I'm going to go sit at my desk for 10 hours and I'm like well what stretches can you give me and I'm like just you got to stand up and move around (laughs) you know or I would prefer them to break it up throughout the day I just think like those little infrequent breaks which is kind of what you're saying I know I know you do it on a very extreme level because you're always working with people so you're probably you know working 10 minutes on a specific movement I'm making this up right now maybe you're prying your hips open for 10 minutes with this client and then maybe you're working. shoulders like you follow so you're doing that throughout the day which i think is without a doubt the best way to do things but people most people don't get that that luxury of being able to do it but a lot of them are starting to ask me now can they break it up into sections throughout the day and why not especially now
0: when people are are, are stuck at home a lot right but you know this is it's all load management that's our job right it's, it's managing loads so i'm a you know i'm a manual therapist as well so when i'm a manual therapist i'm managing loads because i'm, I'm applying external loads to try to prime the internal environment to change right and then when you're a trainer you're providing internal loads to overcome you know barriers when you're a martial artist i'm applying external load to overcome someone's joint capacities to injure them but all of these jobs are about load management and the fact of the matter is is that the human body wasn't designed to accept all of its loading parameters in a 45 minute espresso exercise class the history, and, and, and like, how do you know, Dre, the question is like, how did, how do you know? And the only answer I can give you is to look at the evolutionary biological record. And at, at some point you can define a, a, a homo sapien as a homo sapien. And that's approximately a hundred to 200,000 years in the making since we've been, you know, since we've had our current kind of form. Right. So when you think, what should someone be doing? In my opinion, and it's not only my opinion, many a smarter man than me has kind talked about this. You have to try to match the environment as best as one can to the environment where the genome was being forged. And if you look back to where the genome was forged, if you look back to like 98% of our ancestral history, it's it's hunter-gatherer populations. And one thing that you note about hunter-gatherer is that they expended way more calories than we did. They did way more work Having said that, they did a lot of break, they did a lot of uh, resting as well. I would say that if you look at hunter-gatherer populations, they, they really followed a high-low method, which is crazy because you hear about that in, 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 uh, in training right now. They would, you know, they would have intense days followed by rest days. Uh, I think the point I was getting at was with regards to load. Um, now in our society, we, we, you know, you put all of the load onto the field during your game and then you go into the gym the next day and you put all of the load into, into the, the, and then you, you wonder why it snaps, but that's not what was done. Right. A hunter gatherer never got up in the morning, stretched out and said, you know, it's a fucking nice day. I'm going to go for a, a jog for my cardiovascular endurance. And I'm going to go for 45 minutes in a zone two. Like nobody fucking said that just like right. they never said, you know, I'm going to, After you killed an animal with a projectile object, never in the hunter-gatherer lifestyle were you told to go back and grab the object, run back 60 feet onto a pitcher's mound, and then start to throw it with different curveballs and fastballs 700 times. And the point being here is when people do that and their fucking elbow explodes, and everyone's like, I don't understand what happened. (laughs) You're You're taking 24 hours of loading, and you're forcing it into your schedule as if your schedule makes a fucking difference. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? So yes. I like the 24 hour rule, like especially with rehab, mm-hmm. um with, you know, you you're giving people, you know, repetition is the key to learning and that's the same with tissue adaptation. If you're not giving the signal frequently, then the signal's probably not going to be taken. Having said that, you can't do high intensity stuff all day, but there's shit ton of work to do, you know what I'm saying?
1: D, what do you got on that? Uh, I want to go back to the spine. I find that interesting because I, you know, I'd done a few presentations and there are other presenters and there's one guy who's a back expert and I almost got the impression that he was telling people like, you know, don't be mobile, like back hygiene and, 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 you know, strengthen. And, you know, it's not about stretching. It's not about mobility. And I don't know, but I I seem to do well with getting more mobile when it comes to my back. And, and I just, Wanted to get some clarification on what what should people be doing because obviously it's a problem for everyone, whether you're young, old, athlete, non-athlete, but, you know, I, I, I seem to do better by just trying to get that mobility you're talking about.
0: You guys have uh, six hours to spare? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, really got, you really got to go. First of all, whatever person you were thinking of is completely correct. It's not, listen, I've read the literature that everyone else has read. It's weird that a lot of people often think that, like, some people only read like hidden stuff that they find on a fucking, you know, on a, <laughs> top of a mountain. And yeah. of- I know, I know the the kind of stuff you're talking about. And that's not. It's not that it's wrong. It's just. It's just the wrong. It's just perspective. So let's start it this way. If you start from the basic premise that I think everyone can agree with, that if you take any articulation in the human body and you don't allow it to move. The health of that articulation is going to suffer, especially if it's a synovial joint. Like, I mean, that's not something that we're going to argue. I don't think any. I don't. I, I never remember anyone saying no. The best thing to do with that shoulders is just fucking it's just not stop moving, yeah. moving right? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so if that's the case, uh, I go once again back to the the evolutionary biological record. Let's call it evolutionary anatomy. The fact of the matter is, is that over millions of years of selection. The spine was selected in such a way that it's made up of various individual motion segments. So you one on two, two on three, three on four, four on five, all the way down. Of course you run into a sacrum. And then for some odd reason that didn't maintain its segmentation, the sacrum all natural selection said, you know what, there's an advantage to blocking all these things together. So that's what happened, but that natural selection never took place in the rest of the spine. So the fact of the matter is, is that every vertebra has the ability to, let's not even call it move. It's not move as much as it is wiggle, because we're talking about millimeters of motion, right? It wiggles. So that wiggling or that motion of individual joints, it's not like the spine is made of different, you know, different anatomy or different physiology. There's bones, there's articular surfaces, there's cartilage, there's synovial membranes, there's synovial fluid, you know, it is what it is. And the fact of the matter is, is in the spine, those joints are needed, or the, the movement of those joints is necessary to, to maintain the ongoing health of those articulations. So people say, but I move my spine all the time. Uh, you know, I do, you know, cat camels, or I, I do fucking flow. You know, people get up in the morning and just fucking move around randomly. Uh, and that's, that's all great. And that would work. If the spine continued to segment, but what happens when you take a homo sapien in a homo sapien type environment and you put them at a computer for a certain amount of time, or you tell them to only hinge at the hips because when you're deadlifting, which apparently, I don't know if you guys know, is the most important goddamn thing in the history of the world, apparently. (laughs) Because everyone in the world must do that. If you don't deadlift, I don't even know why you bother going to the gym. Right. Mm. So, okay. So now you, with, you know, I deadlift, I do all this stuff, but you're telling people to hinge at the hips. We're constantly reminding people that you must be a neutral spine. And we're telling people this at the expense of everything. And people say, well, people aren't saying that they are probably because they're misunderstanding the same brilliant researchers that you're following. Right. So to say that someone who walks around, you know, with their back in extension all the time and sits Mm. with their back in extension and then deadlifts with their back in extension and puts their feet in the exact same position and extends and extends and sits like this, that person probably hasn't segmentally moved their spine in quite a bit of time. And the problem is, is as soon as you tell me I'm not moving a joint, I immediately turn the question back on you. And I say, how are you maintaining the health of your articulation if you're not moving it? And I've simply not found the answer. Okay. So here's the problem. It's not that moving ever. I can say move. That's great. But if you don't move through your mid back, then guess where you don't move through your mid back? Because there's a rule in human physiology, which says you can't move where you can't move. So if you haven't moved for a while, the body tends to take away range of motion for you. So take an average office worker with a gut who doesn't care much about their body. They, they, they drive to work. They sit in a, in a thing. They drive to the same desk. They get out of the desk. They sit on a couch. Their hobby is watching Netflix. That person likely has not put the amount of movement nutrition into their spine that is necessary. Now I send them to a trainer. What does the trainer say? You must deadlift. Why? Because it's the most important fucking exercise in the history of the world, right? So now you're deadlifting, but you're deadlifting with a spine that hasn't moved. With articulations, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, I don't know how they're maintaining the, their, their health. And now you're telling someone to, to lift a weight. But we haven't decided whether or not the lifting of the weight is going to be, you know, the accumulative cause of this segment, this segment moving a couple millimeters, this segment moving a couple millimeters, this segment moving a couple millimeters, because some people they chunk that part of the spine. And if you chunk one part of the spine, the movement is going to be pushed to this part or to that part. So now you have someone hinging at their TL junction doing deadlifts because they otherwise can't move the spine, right. which is otherwise not healthy nor maintaining health because they're not moving.
2: Now you you were the one who pretty much coined controlled articular rotations, right? I mean, you're the one who's who pretty much introduced that. I mean, to me and to every FRC student, is that there's there's so much more to what you do than that. But is that enough? for a healthy human, for, for a human being to get through life and say, all right, we are, you know, segmentally moving the joints and we are creating more fluid in, in the joints and we're gaining movement out of that i mean it's such a simple i mean it's very easy if you you took a newbie coach and put them into one of your courses i could Mm -hmm. see how someone would be like holy shit like Mm -hmm. this is a lot coming at me but Mm -hmm. can it be really that simple to where if you just had someone doing cars you know uh, you know uh, periodically throughout the day like we're talking about can they go through a full life being healthy and 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 that's all they need no
0: no of of course not because that's that that wouldn't be first off I, I don't mind deadlifting. I don't know if I uh, if I if I made that clear. I don't. I have know deadlifting. that deadlifting. Deadlifting's great. Just so we go back, because I don't want to get a bunch of people yelling at me that I'm against deadlifting. I prescribe deadlifting. People, people. yelling at you anyway. What do you care? I get people. <laughs> you know, I, I I prescribe it for my athletes. I prescribe it for my, a lot. You know, if you're picking stuff up off the floor, you probably want that ability at some point or other. So sure. I wasn't. I, I was trying to make a point. Now getting back to what you were saying, no, th- that's the problem. Is is that of course when someone has a system on you know anywhere on the the interweb if people want to break it down to the most simplest denominator, like the most simplest thing they can see and then they want to see oh i'm just doing joint circles which is another thing that i run into a lot yeah, it's just joint circles uh, usually when people say oh i see what you're doing before they actually listen to me they say you're just doing joint circles and they go i do joint circles and i go show me the programs of the last 10 people you programmed for and they show me and i say warm up dynamic warm up blah, 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 blah. Deadlift three seconds. Where are the circles? So I'll ask you like, where, where you didn't, you didn't really put them in and they go, well, look, you know, before I start fucking, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. Before, you know, I do my shit, but no, that's not, I wouldn't coin. You can imagine if I went, if I was arrogant enough to just someone's doing you know, circles and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to teach people fucking circles and fly around the world, certifying people in circles. You know, how is, how dumb, are you calling all of the people who ever studied with me to say that I just teach circles back to your question? No, a surf, doing a circle with your joint is healthy for your joint. There's no, as long as you're out of a pain-free range of motion, moving your joint through its full available workspace on a daily basis, multiple times is a requirement to have articular health, but it will not guarantee you articular health. And the reason is, is because nobody, lives in the exact way that your body was selected for. I mean, th- we just don't do that. We, 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 our lives are very patterned. We sit in certain places. We do certain activities. We play games, sports that we otherwise think are normal for humans, which is really not normal. These are patterned activities that chunk movements together and stress uh, the same tissues over and over and over and over until they explode. So it's not what we're built for. So the problem is, is that when you have a restriction in your workspace, doing cars isn't going to help you because cars is an expression of moving where you can move, but where you can't move is where you can't move. So I can't just continuously do cars where I can move, hoping that the nervous system is going to go, yeah, I have 10 more degrees. If I don't have a, a, enough flexion to do my, my overhead exercise, I then need to apply inputs in order to increase the available range of motion that you have, okay? So now you have to start getting into a a different level of things that I call pails and rails to try to gain access to new lines of tissue and new ranges of motion by opening up workspace. And that has to be, just like anything else, that has to be trained specifically so that the physiology adapts. And now we're talking about intense sets. Like people, another thing people think is that I just sit there and do this. And stare
2: blankly. Um, no 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 pales and rails pails and rails is no joke i mean that's i mean it, it, in a way a lot of it it is a form of of isometric training in a way isn't it absolutely it's I mean, it's absolutely it's, when it's, I, when, what's up? sorry about that so no no um, after you please no I, I was saying when i when i left your course the first time i was shocked on how fried i was
0: yeah it's it's, it's quite intense but that's again this also gets confused because that's very for a very specific thing too. When I'm doing pales and rails, these isometrics at end range at the highest level of neurological availability, I'm doing that to try to decrease the inhibition that the body has for you to get more range. Right? It's like when you're doing a max effort, anything sets. When you're doing a max effort snatch, you're not really getting stronger at that rep. What you're doing is you're trying to make the body reduce its inhibition so that you can achieve it. You can put more power, you can put more strength. So you're trying to bridge the gap between what's possible and what you have. So when I'm trying to push for more range, it becomes max effort. Just like when you're trying to increase a PR, it's going to be a max effort attempt, right? I didn't redo the rules of human physiology. Having said that, the the Pales-Rails scale can go right down as well to 5% neurological or muscular activation, which I will use, let's say, someone post-surgery. So these pails and rails is another component of the system where we're using isometrics, but we're using them in an evidence-guided way depending on what particular capacity we want, right? So pails and rails go in for that. Now, we were talking about how it's not only cars. So if pails and rails can open up a range of motion, another thing that I, I speak frequently about is If you open up a newly acquired range of motion only isometrically, by the laws of human physiology, you cannot tell me that that range of motion is now smart enough, or the nervous system is smart enough to control that range in a dynamics fashion that you find on a soccer field or on a hockey uh, rink. So now there's a difference between monitoring range with cars, seeing where you don't have range, If you don't have range, how do I break open that range? Once I've broken open that range, how do I insist that the nervous system learns enough about that range so that when you're thrown back into the variability that is life or sports, that your nervous system knows how to control the range? Because that's another assumption that people make. If someone has a range of motion, that automatically that can be filled in with neurology on its very own. And that's not what happens. That's why we get people who can do the splits But I say throw a head kick to a martial artist who can do a passive split and then they fall on their ass. Mm. It's a difference between what you can passively achieve and what you can actively control. So the, with going back to the system, you have cars, which is like, it's practicing your workspace. It's maintaining your workspace. It's bringing health to the joint, but it's also an assessment because if I break the cars up into zones, I can see which zones you can't move into. And if i know what you can't move into i can look at your exercise program and i can say you know this exercise is shit for you don't do this one don't do that one because you don't have the prerequisites so now cars does that and it's also telling me if i don't have the prerequisites shoulder flexion i want to do military press i don't have enough shoulder flexion i'm extending at my tl junction to achieve shoulder flexion well now i know that i have to go into the shoulder i might have to go with isometric training to open up range and i have to bring the nervous system back on board And the funny shit is, is all of this has to be superimposed in someone's already busy training regimen, right? Which brings us to the next portion is that you have to really convince people that every movement that they do is generated inside their body. Therefore, internal constraints are the first ones you come up against during any movement task. And therefore, internal constraints must trump external constraints when you're training someone. Do you think, I
2: mean, I want to get Derek's opinion on this also, but do you think exercise selection is one of the biggest mistakes made by not only trainers, but by, um, by just the, the average Joe, the consumer out there, they're just jumping in and they're choosing things that are,
0: they they just should not be doing a hundred percent, a hundred there's you know, there's exercise selection, then there's volumes, and then there's I forgot who. What was the last one? It, it's Torsky's last book. There was three, uh, but number one, with the number one, it was exercise selection, then there's volume intensity, and, intensity, and there's the third one was um, Not time I believe, when you're when you're working out. But out of all of those things, I'm pretty. Sh- we've done a lot of research on the quantitative variables of volume, and and I think. The research tells you what to do with intensity and max efforts and dynamic efforts and strength is speed, speed is strength. So you have to determine what speeds you're working at. We're good with that. But what I don't think anyone has ever really talked about, and I hate to be the guy that says that I did, but maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know anybody else who really thinks that there's a system for exercise selection. Most exercise selection is done based on external goals. So you, you're a compound, you're a combine, you're at, you know, NFL, you have to push 225 for this many things. So right. the, the goal is external, right? Um, but I don't know that anybody looked, is looking at exercises and saying, okay, the exercise might make sense, but the body doing it, does not match the exercise
2: well what about a movement screening isn't that what that isn't that what the idea of doing some sort of a movement screening is or like let's just take something really standard like the fms like which i i know i i i've heard plenty of people shit on it i mean i personally think that um you know when you when when you take a trainer that doesn't have your skill set or may not have derek's skill set and they're kind of just getting started you have to start them somewhere so i think you know, breaking down seven basic movements to at least give them like a lane to be able to make some sensible decisions, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, that's I just my opinion. Now, when people are saying it's the be-all, end-all, I'm like, all right, now, now, now we're going to have a different conversation here. You
0: know. I always notice when I talk to the, the other people who are, you know, who created these things, or what people would term the guru of the topic. I mm. very rarely disagree like violently with those people, right? It's right. it's always the telephone game, and and this it got misconstrued. So. You know, people say, oh, movement screens are shit. Well, listen, if I have a team with, with 50 players and you give me an hour to figure shit out, I'm going to do a movement screen, right? If, If you have a person who otherwise does not have any other way of trying to match articular capability to exercise selection, then for fuck's sakes, do a movement screen. However, if you're asking me and it's my job to be, you know, a specialist at these things, it's. It's not what you need. It's not what your mom needs if you send your mom to me and you say, Dre, listen, I really want you to fix my mom. You don't want me doing a movement screen. But that's not to say that they're not useful. It is to say that it's not a realistic example of how the human body creates movements and executes them. Because the way the human body creates and executes movement is, is via the, the dynamic systems theory approach, where you know, someone doesn't repeat the same thing over and over the body finds ways to do the task that you want to accomplish, but it'll find different ways to do it depending on what it needs to circumvent. So the variability of movement is far too excessive that you should just drive it down to one particular screen. Okay. And the other problem with the screen is this, if I watch you squat, as much as I say, I see there's something wrong, and you can give me the greatest you know, bio, bio, uh, biomechanical minds in the world and, and put them beside me and we watch someone sprint and we watch someone walk, we watch someone lift. I can say something's wrong with the external movement, but to say that I know what the internal constraint is leading to that external problem by visually watching someone do something is intellectually dishonest. Does that make sense? And it's been done before. I've been to many a seminar where the guy will watch someone run. They'll say, let's watch him run. And they'll move back and they'll watch him run. And then they'll ask everyone in the audience, what do you see? Now, for your listeners, here's the trick. Whatever you guys see, the guy at the front of the room is going to tell you you're wrong. That's how this game works, right? (laughs) Because if you're as smart as the guy in the front of the room, then the guy in the front of the room, oh my God, they're not going to want to pay me. So when I used to be the guy, I was at the seminar and someone would run and be like, what do you think it is? And the person would be like, maybe their glute max isn't firing. Holy fuck. <laughs> or maybe their, you know, their core isn't strong or whatever. But the guy oh. at the front of the room is going to go, no, it's the left inner between L3 and L4. They'll make it like the, the craziest thing that you'll never be able to, to appreciate by watching. Oh. And then you just run with that, but I do not, if you give me someone and and they squat and a knee comes in, I can give you a few educated guesses, but you know what I'm gonna do, right? I'm gonna put them on the table and I'm gonna assess every single one of their articulations and I'm gonna ask myself whether or not each one of those articulations has the prerequisite available range to accomplish what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then if I find things that are not, that don't give me those capacities, then that's what I'm gonna focus on. And I don't, really, I don't really get caught up in trying to, there's a lot of people trying to figure out the kinetic chain. Uh, I've read everything there is to know about neurology, I think. It's, it's too much shit, man. It's too fucking variable. So what I tell my students is when someone comes in and there's something wrong with their movement, your job is to find out what's wrong with the person creating the movement. Forget about the movement. Fix the person, then we'll go to the movement. So the example I'll use is somebody might come in. I always use the example. They want to do a caustic squat, right? Why? I don't fucking know. They just want to do a caustic squat. So you go to a trainer and most trainers will say, okay, you can't do it. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down the movement into simpler chunks. So I'll say, can you Cossack squat onto this very high box? And the person tries it and they go, yeah, I can do it. And they go, okay, good. I want you to do that. And then a couple weeks, I want you to lower the box. And then I want you to lower it more. And then I want you to lower it more. The problem is you didn't know that that client also was diagnosed with shitty ankle syndrome. And the problem with this progression of Cossack squatting is that they will get into a Cossack squat, but they will still have shitty ankle syndrome. And now because they still have that, the Cossack squat can be renamed meniscal shredder. Because now the exercise will only serve to shred up your meniscus because now you have too much shearing at the knee because your ankle doesn't have the prerequisite dorsiflexion to get down into a cosic squat. Right. Now that sounds shitty and people are like, well, maybe you don't do anything then. And that's not true either. Right, I don't right, tell right. people don't move. But what I do tell people is if you're going to select an exercise, it's not a matter of do you like it? Did it look cool? Do you think it'll be fun? Like this is a serious job. You know what I mean? You have to match capability to demand. 100%. Dick?
1: Where does, uh, how do you manage, uh, it's a, it's kind of a general question, but you can kind of pick it apart, but just where does pain fit in with your system in terms of, you know, obviously you can see somebody move and then determining, you know, ask them, well, how do you feel? And say, oh, that really hurts. But then, you know, you can still get some mobility there. How do you manage the pain side? And I know it's a very subjective thing.
0: Yeah. Pain is, is the number one barrier uh, to range of motion. Um, so, you have to respect pain, but there's pain and then there's pain, right? There's pain where you're determining that there's pathological tissue injury here, in which case the desire for more range is, is um, it's probably not your most important goal at that time. Right. Um, and then there's the pain, which is lingering pain where people, you know, they've had pain for a long time. That pain becomes chronic. And that's the type of pain where they might have a decreased threshold um, or they're, you know, they, they just have a chronic pain situation, in which case your, your, your advice is the opposite. Someone has tissue pain. That's legitimate then you know, rest and heal the tissue. If someone has the other pain, you get them to move. Um, But to say, how do you deal with pain? uh, It's kind of, it's, it's too difficult to question. It's not an answerable question Mm -hmm. for that reason. And one thing I like to do is when someone asks a question, I like to think, is it answerable or do I have to ask a bunch more follow-ups? And in this case, I would have to ask a bunch more follow-ups. Having said that, um, pain science is real and the complexity of pain is way more complicated than people want to give it credit for. Um, So I respect the pain and so much to the extent where as a sport chiropractor and as as a trainer, I don't think I deal with pain, right? I think that pain is like a secondary it's it's you know pain relief is a is a secondary byproduct of people moving well but I really think that as a as a manual therapist and as a trainer the job has to be focused on on function right and the byproduct of good function is often a reduction in pain and on top of that there is pain relieving measures but to call that the focus of what i'm doing, I think I should have been a I think there's different professions that might be better off um, dealing with pain problems like psychologists, for example, rheumatologists, um, neurologists I- in that fashion. So I don't know if I answered your question, but um, yeah, it, 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 you don't move into pain. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff. The other thing is that people also don't distinguish those two types of pain. So for example, I'll always say if you're moving a joint and the range limiting tissue in the joint motion is on the closing side of the joint. So for example, if you lift your arm up into flexion and and I can't go any further and I go, why can't you go any further? And someone points behind them. Or if they go into a squat and they point to the front of the ankle and they go, I can't go any further because it hurts here when I'm in the basement of a squat. That's what I refer to as closing angle pain. And if you look at articular motion in the human body, The range limiting tissue should always be located on the opening angle. If it's located on the closing angle, then likely you have a space issue where either you don't have enough space to do the motion or you have too much shitty sloppy space where you're actually pinching tissue because there's not enough control of the motion. So there's pain and then there's pain. Yeah, but
2: the, but X doesn't always mark the spot. I mean, that was, you were one of the people that taught me when I came to you with my, I mean, I got, how long have I known you for? It's got, feels like 10 years now. But I mean, when I oh. came to you, I had a little hip issue and yeah. you pointed the ankle. Yeah. I could relate to that. I was like, okay, that makes sense. I think I had a hockey injury when I was younger with the ankle and I could see maybe not being able to dorsiflex that ankle. What's that doing to my hip? Most yeah. people are like, well, oh, wait I have a tennis elbow. Like it's, it's the elbow, right? Like, why are you treating the, the shoulder? I mean, how does that, can you, can you, can you simplify that a little bit just
0: for our <laughs> listeners? It, it's a lot of people do that when they're trying to do the, have the opposite effect. They're, I think they're trying to make, they're trying to overcomplicate things to, to make, to justify what they're doing. That, so they'll look at someone move and they'll say, well, this isn't doing this and this isn't doing this and this isn't doing that. I think what I tend to do is way more simple in that i if you're going to come in to see me name an injury like let, let's say that you have you had a hip problem the fact of the matter is is i don't know if your left big toe is affecting your right hip mm. or if your left big toe is affecting your contralateral shoulder right i don't know that a lot of people think they might know that and they'll give you an, an amazing anatomical reason as to as to why this shoulder and that big toe is connected. And I can do the same if you'd like me to. If I assess someone and I say, what's your problem? They say, I have a, you have a right shoulder problem there's an impingement. I can easily say, well, the problem is your left big toe. And if I'm in a room of a hundred people, everyone will be like, oh my God, he's so smart. Why is that the left big toe? And I'll say, well, the latissimus dorsi inserts onto the, intercostal, or the intertubercular groove where the bicep sits. So because it sits there and then goes posteriorly behind you, it's actually an internal rotator of the shoulder. But the latissimus dorsi is continuous with the gluteus maximus on the contralateral side of the body between L4 and S2 as per Vleeming's work. And if you go further, the gluteus maximus contributes myofascial connection into the ITB. The ITB actually has various insertions continuing into the tibialis anterior as well as the fibularis group. The tibialis anterior crosses the ankle to insert onto the medial canadian form of the foot as does the fibularis on the opposite side ergo your right shoulder problem is because you have a shitty left big toe right now that's i'm pretty that sounded pretty pretty legitimate right right in fact this is that's nonsense right there's no right. amount of bio biomechanical literature or literature on movement that can make me make that connection however if right. you tell me that your right shoulder's fucked right. up and I, I notice that your big toe doesn't move, I'm probably going to give you exercises to correct both. Right, because why not? Because why not, why right? Not. It, right. Yeah. I have 24 hours in a day. That's the only have- time. Really? You don't have enough time to give them a simple exercise to increase toe dorsiflexion?
2: Well, I think the word you just said is simple. And I and I think, listen, that's I, I, I find what you deliver – is very simple. On the other hand, I could see how someone would look at it and be like, I don't, that just went completely over my head. It, it would sound intimidating. But if sure. you were going to speak to right now the consumer who's already fucking confused, <laughs> I mean, let's, oh, yeah. let, 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 let's face it, I mean, it is, I think fitness is a complete mess because now you don't even have, at least at one point it was fitness professionals. Like you had to go to a gym to see one, see someone who at least had some sort of a certificate, which means like, all right, their intentions were they went off and they took a course, which is way better than what we're seeing out there now, because people are taking advice from influencers who've never taken anything, who are just posting what has worked for themselves my daughter i love her to death i don't want her to hear me she's she she won't listen to daddy's workout advice but she'll yeah. pull some 14 year old girl uh, um you know how she developed gluten and i'm like okay honey do it like yeah. whatever however you're going to stay healthy but how would you simplify this how would you we have if we have 10,000 people listening to this podcast, whatever the number is, what would you tell to someone who is not a fitness professional? How do they approach their everyday walks of life when it comes down to movement and just feeling better? Because that's what people want to do. When they start listening to someone like you, it's because they're in a little bit of trouble or it's because they're a fitness pro- professional.
0: Yeah, it's actually an easy, it's actually an easy answer. Stay, okay. within, stay within your capacities. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, again, that might seem difficult to understand but it's not right if if all if the three of us stood up and i said for example draw as big a circle as you can with your shoulder right now i can bring you to one of my guys and they'll analyze every single you know aspect of what you did during the adduction zone what you did during the flexion zone what sure. you, did, you can you can go deep man deep, like but we simplify, can go, yeah but Quite simply, if, if, if you're a trainer and you tell someone just draw a circle with your shoulder, if when they get you know, to this, to there, if you start to see the, the movement just bleed into everything else, then that person only has the capacity to bring their shoulder here.
2: And they're not staying within themselves, correct, technically. Yeah, yeah. and if,
0: if, if you can, this is another easy thing to remember as well. If you give someone a shoulder exercise, but that person doesn't have enough shoulder range of motion to complete the exercise, then that shoulder exercise is now a compensation exercise. Says physics. There's there's no other way around this, right? So let's see this. Let's say that, you know what? You don't really have a lot of rotation in your shoulder. Like when you bring your arm over your head, you, you cheat. So let's just select inputs that stimulate your body to change, but let's select inputs that are somewhat closer to what it is you're actually capable of. So instead of doing a military press, it's not hard to repurpose that exercise into a dumbbell press or even better, the understanding that uh, the, I always use the Plato quote, the first and best victory is to conquer self. And there's a lot of people in a gym trying to conquer external objects in their environments. And they clearly have no ability to, to control themselves. So maybe take a lot of that iron pushing exercise and make it body pushing exercise until the person becomes comfortable in their meat wagon. Because for a young trainer, if I can give any piece of easy advice is that the first job you have and the most important job is familiarize the person in their meat wagon. Cause I always say a lot of people, you know, when people don't, they have no body practice they don't really train intentfully they don't really exercise they they look like they're at weekend at bernie's you know that that remember that movie they go they're they're yeah. walking around they're waving yeah, like it's dead it. Guy. that's how people move right it looks like they're not comfortable within themselves so just get them on a body practice right just look what they can do if it's a movement screen let it be a movement screen if you do a movement screen and the squat looks horrific and you have no idea why just don't squat right there's there's hundreds of other ways to load a body that that don't have names right like just because someone named an exercise a a bulgarian blah 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 lift or whatever that's just someone that that had an idea to load a movement but there's a variety of ways to load people load them with bands load them with body weight Load them, you know, you know, don't just put it, change the position of their hands when they're, when they're training so as not to patternize the exact same exercise over and over and over and over until their, their, their tissue snap. Even easier, inject some, something in an exercise program whose job it is to ma- at least maintain the ranges of motion and health of the joints that the client has today. If you do nothing else, I tell people, I say, get up in the morning and intentfully move all of your joints, and then try to do that throughout the day. Yeah, now, man. I say do cars. You can say, well, do whatever you want, but it's it's just not as easy as I have to work out between eleven and eleven forty-five. Have
2: you thought about Have you thought about maybe um, putting together like a this may sound ridiculous, but a consumer course, I mean, there's only, I know you do, I mean, I, I know how many coaches come to your courses. I have, a, I have a general idea and I know how quickly FRC is blowing up, and I want you at the end of the podcast to tell everyone where they can learn about it. But have you thought about maybe systematizing something that maybe the language is a little bit more user-friendly? So a consumer out there who's not a coach can, can reap the benefits of this.
0: Yeah. So listen, yes, of course. Right. Because that's what any smart business guy would do. Mm. But um, I, I I do, people might not believe that, but I do actually care about leaving a difference, right? And and actually changing the direction that something's going in. And I made the decision a long time ago that to make that directional change, I have to put my effort into specialists because we were talking about that before. I mean, if if humans don't agree that, Educational specialities exist, then we don't agree on on a democratic society like we we, we don't agree that we're sh- we're sharing in this right um, So I think that specialists have to have to be specialists. So yeah, I can make it easy I can you know explain, you know, do a few of these This is the five best exercises for your glutes or whatever uh, but I, I don't like I like to have higher level conversations on this topic with people who have focused their lives to this topic so that the specialty rises and that trickles down much more effectively. I so think that's a, I think where are you gonna put answer. your energy, right? That's where my energy goes. That's, that's
2: you, it. you start getting to that point in life where you got to kind of weigh out where you're, where you're. You know, it's not even just about where where the money is, because yeah. technically, if you are going after where the money is, yeah, I know you do well, but it 's probably catering to you know ten billion people rather than a, a, a small population of, of fitness experts. I mean you could probably go in there and, and do even better, but the fact that you 're staying true to your beliefs and, and, and just trying to educate people at, at that level yeah. and allow that to now trickle down, I think that 's something special it's why you know, it 's why I, I asked you to come on here because I know it 's been such a huge influence on me and i 've told Derek so much about it. so can you let everyone know like if they are because we do have some, a bunch of coaches that listen to this? Yeah. Um, can you let them know like FRC, Ken Stretch, talk about it for a second where they can yeah, find sure. it, where they can find you?
0: So the, the the thing as a whole, which is what I tell people, the, the way that I, if you come to see me, the way that I look at you, the lens I take is, is functional range systems, which is just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of systems put together that allow me to manage a homo sapien moving forward. Um, and then depending on what's necessary, we have systems in place. So functional range conditioning, that's a certification where we teach people Uh, about internal training, uh, about establishing goals, about finding internal capacities and changing them. You can call it mobility work. Uh, You can call it increasing the person's control of themselves, right? That's where FRC really comes in, in that system. FR is a soft tissue system, functional range release, where we use external force inputs to, to stimulate or to prime the system for training uh, and that's how what I feel soft tissue work is. Like if you ask me, what do you do as a manual therapist? Nothing really. I just get the person ready for training inputs, right? And then hopefully I I prepare the environment enough for those training inputs. So that's functional range release. Functional range assessment is, is what we use to kind of um, strategize what we're going to work on first, second, and third. So it's a system of assessment where we take a person and we look at every single joint in their body and we look at what it's capable of passively, what it's capable of actively. Then we start to couple what is the person's goals, what are their intentions, what are their capacities, and then we can start to program more efficiently because we can actually do what they're capable of doing, what they're not capable of doing. We can start Xing off exercises. This is not good for you at this point. Do these ones until you gain that capacity and then you can. And then kin stretch is is all of that put together in a body practice. Because if you want to do this properly, you ask, like, how do people maintain themselves through their life? You need a body practice. You have to practice yourself on a regular basis. So kin stretch is a, is a, is a group class where instead of worrying about mastering the, the flying monkey pose or whatever, whatever, you master Don Salandino's shoulder. And we're going to sit in a room and we're going to practice shoulder and then we're going to practice hip. And then we're going to do it at high intensities to make it a really good workout. So all those things together, make up, make up this functional range systems. So we, we, uh, I certify trainers in, in some of them, um, medical doctors and manual therapists and some of the other ones.
2: Um, yeah. That, and, I'm, cool. and, I'm, and I'm figuring, uh, you've taken everything virtual now, correct?
0: We have we've we've taken everything virtual. We just um, we we started with the FRC and then we did the the kin stretch and the and the FRA went up next. We just did an FR, which is the soft tissue assessment and treatment course. We just did it uh, virtually over the weekend for the first time, uh, and we it, it went really really well. Funny enough, because you know one thing that when you have a room full of a hundred people, what you don't get is is really. You know, one-on-one, you can't really see. But now, because we have the person zooming in and we have different angles, and the person's teaching where things are, it actually worked out pretty well. And we don't really have much of a choice. So yeah, it's it's all virtual for now. Awesome, Derek. Yeah. Anything else?
1: No, that was great. I can't wait to to see some of this stuff. Um, yeah, I've heard a lot about it. So yeah. um
2: so Dre so um yeah. if someone wants to find more about it, we are we sending them where to the, your Instagram, to your uh, Facebook, to your website? I mean, can you just tell Ooh. them what they can? If you
0: go them? to functionalanatomyseminars.com or functionalrangesystems.com. You can learn about all of the individual systems, uh, kinstretch.com because kinstretch is like the body practice thing. Um, if people are if you're you're not in the profession and you're just looking to implement, you asked about how to make this easy. If you're looking to implement the scientific basis for these systems. Uh, Kin stretch is a group training class that you can, you can, we have people doing it throughout the world now. So you can jump on kinstretch.com and look for uh, find a provider and you can find classes going on, especially now in the, I've noticed that in the virtual, now that everyone's moved virtual, uh, the Kin stretch instructors are, uh, are, are doing excellent with that. So there's a lot of online classes you can do. And then I'm at Dr. Andrea but uh, you know, whatever.
2: I think people are happy not to travel. Also, I think there was a lot of fun. We, you know, we obviously have always had a great time traveling, but I think Absolutely. we you cut back on that a bit, and you can, everyone can kind of, you know, kind of stay in their their hub a little bit more. I think there's some benefit to that, also.
0: I was surprised. Um, eh? I was surprised. It was pretty. I think that was one of the reasons is that people were like, "Well, I don't have to get a hotel. I don't have to get a flight. I don't it's have to so much money. Oh my gosh! It's, yeah. it's a lot of money. It's a lot of it's a. And you know what we did because you know, in the time that we are we we supplemented the hell out of our offering. So, um, before we went online, I went and pretty much represented, I think maybe 16 hours of material just in front of zoom, just to give them another 16 hours. If they, if they, if they have nothing to do in their life and they want to, you know, we, we, so when you take an FRC, I mean, I don't know how many cumulative hours of education we give now because it's online, but, uh, we tried to go way overboard so that people felt like they were getting a good amount of uh, information, and then we support it on the back end as well. Like you know, we have groups that are open. Uh, we always update the website um, a ton. So,
2: yeah, well, Dr. Andrea Spina, everyone, and as Derek just said, weekend at Spina's, not weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> we're gonna... Weekend at Spina's <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: Anyway, Dee, thank oh. you, my man. Dre, thank you as always. Pleasure. Listen, brother, I, I can't wait till we. Uh, I can't wait till we are back to some reality where we can uh, have you back out to the city and we can do an, another dinner at the dish.
0: Greek <laughs> food, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's watch, me, watch me eat eat half the restaurant. Remember that? I, you know what? I've never seen a human being. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen that. And 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 you just smile with your abs and shit. Everyone else at the table is fucking just hating you and Eating stuff. Eating salads and stuff no secret of my success I appreciate you guys thank you thank you you very much for having me I'll I'll send you I'll
1: send this through to you as well so you have a copy wicked I'll share it with my people as well